the Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. I, I thank God. I love Christmas, man. I, you know, this time of year I get, uh, I don't know, you could say almost goofy, but uh, <laughs> I love Christmas. And it, it you know, it, it almost seems a bit ironic, uh, I guess you could say, that in a time of year where, you know, we want to uh, focus um, on peace, most certainly, uh, that we should have uh, a word from the Lord to call us to battle, right? To call us to battle, spiritual battle. Uh, this is a rally call, and may God uh, stir us out of apathy into the spiritual warfare that's being waged all around us. Let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And, uh, well, first, before we start, I, I, I'd be remiss if I, I didn't uh, first uh, thank God for this opportunity to speak his word, because uh, that, that's exactly what it is. Whenever uh, we're able to stand and speak in his name, it is um, a gracious opportunity. And I thank Pastor uh, Marlon for considering me, um, to cons- for considering me trustworthy. All right. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 through 17. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, the entire armor, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. There are people in the world who unfortunately make the mistake of assuming that our Lord Jesus Christ was a pacifist. Uh, because of certain teachings that he taught. They seem to assume he was against fighting of any kind, right? But if they just read a little further into the book of Romans, they would know that the very teaching of the Apostle Paul in Romans 13, that authorities and governments have been granted authority by God to execute wrath on evildoers, police officers and soldiers, have been granted permission by God to execute wrath on evildoers. That it's a a, a God-sanctioned thing. And the scripture says that he bears not the sword in vain, the scripture says. And we thank God for those those men and women in uniform who uh, faithfully don't abuse their authority, but understand that they will have to give an account for how they use it. But what we have to understand What we have to understand is that the same Word of God, the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God that teaches us that God is love, also teaches in in 1 John 4, verse 16, that same equally Holy Spirit-inspired Scripture in the Bible teaches us that God is a man of war in Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. 
Amen. Our God is a man of war. He's a warrior, the Bible tells us. And not only is he a warrior, but he has made us soldiers in Christ Jesus and has called us to spiritual warfare and battle in a fallen and sinful world. Listen to the word of the Lord in, 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 in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. And then in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. And I'll just tell you, I, I love the word of the Lord, so I, it's going to be a lot in my sermon. <laughs> but uh, if, if need be, um, you know, take notes to refer to these passages later and, and to meditate on them. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, it says this, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. In Matthew 10, 34 through 39, it says, Do not think, this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus, right? He says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. This seems strange for Jesus to say, right? At least some would think. He says, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. A sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Psalms 154 verse 1 says this, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. See, not, our God is not only a warrior, but he has made us soldiers in Christ Jesus and has called us into a spiritual battle. And I say this because some might wonder, what do we need a sword for? Right? I mean, we've got the shield, we've got the helmet, we've got the breastplate, we've got the, the belt of truth, right? We've got our feet shod with the gospel. We should just, you know, be pacifist and just kind of stand by with our shields up. But see, the Lord has called us to make war. And we're going to look into what kind of war he's called us to. But it's important to understand he is the one who has called us into this, and he is the one who has equipped us for this. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Now we understand that according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, that our warfare is not carnal, that it's not fleshly, it's not I don't, I, don't, I don't go out and just because somebody uh, said something wrong about Jesus, I don't go and punch him in the face. And I don't <laughs> try to convert people to Christ through, through violence, right? Yeah, that's not us. That's, that's another group. We don't threaten to chop people's heads off if they don't convert, right? We've been called to spiritual warfare, right? Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is the warfare we've been called into. 
to battle against those things, those thoughts, those ideas that are contrary to our God, to, to wield the sword of the Spirit against every spiritual foe and enemy that rises up against every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and to bring it into submission. This is the, this is the battle we've been called to. We're not called to take holy cities back and, and kill people. Nobody was ever, no heart was ever truly changed by beating someone into submission. But this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual warfare. Amen? And the word of God is that sword that we have been called to wield in this spiritual battle. Now, a sword is different from the rest of the armor, right? Armor primarily is a defensive apparatus, right? You know, a helmet, a breastplate, a shield is, is protective in nature, is to protect from injury and harm. But see, a sword is different. A sword is primarily an offensive device used for striking, cutting, and if need be, killing. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's talking about the word of God that is alive, it's living. Oh, praise God. Our... Bible is not just ink on a page. <laughs> I, get all this, I get worked up. The Word of God is alive. It's alive. It's not, it's not the Quran. It's not uh, some other text out there that, that, that men jotted down and wrote. The Word of the Lord is living. I, I've even experienced this in my life. I mean, I don't know if many of you know my, my testimony. Uh, but when I was in college, without going too long here, when I was in college, I, uh, I, I, I was living, uh, actually a freshman in college, I was living a, a hypocritical life. I, I knew what God wanted me to do, but I, I just was trying to walk the fence and, and, and be one man on Sunday, another man Monday through Saturday, right? I wanted to be Mr. Popular. I wanted to, you know, I was, I was about to join a fraternity of all things. And uh, a friend of mine, <laughs> thank God, thank God for godly friends. He, he asked me after I came back from the interest meeting, um, and, and, and this, the, the significance of the fraternity is, is my, my, my drives and my motives were carnal in nature. I wanted to be Mr. Popularity. I, you know, I wanted to you know, you know, you know, do all those things that, that attract you know, female attention. Let's just be honest. I'm just going to be real. And that was not what God had for me. And thank God for godly friends. This brother sat me down after the interest meeting. And he began to read from the Word of God. He said, Curtis, you know, he could sense that my priorities were out of whack. I would say I was a Christian, but my, my passion wasn't towards the things of God primarily as they ought to have been. And he said, let me read something to you. And he started to read from one of the gospel accounts. And I remember the word to this day. He read one of the, it was either in Matthew or Mark, these words. And he said, the words of Jesus, for whoever would lose their life, I'm sorry, for whoever would save their life, there it goes, for whoever would save their life would lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake and for the gospel's sake will find it. And brothers and sisters, I tell you, it was like the word 
jumped off the page like a living sword and pierced me through the heart. As I sat there in that chair and I listened to him read the word, he didn't even realize it. I don't even think he noticed what was going on, but it was like the words on the page just came alive and just, it was like, it was like the Lord Jesus just took the sword of the word and just drove it through me and cracked the, the hard shell of my heart. And I, I broke down in tears. I could barely stand. God convicted me to the core. And I, I, can, I can hear the impression of his spirit upon my heart. No more. No more. No more hypocrisy. You're going to stand for me? You're going to live for me? Or you're not. You're either going to be hot or you're going to be cold. But no more straddling the fence. I know his word is quick and alive. I know it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And if you'll listen, if you'll listen, he'll do the same for you. Those there on the internet, if you listen, he'll do the same for you. His word is quick and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. Praise God. The word of God is the sword of the spirit to be wielded against our spiritual enemies. Therefore, as followers of Christ, we are in battle both within and without, on the inside and on the outside. Now, remember I said, let's, let's, let's take a look at the inside. Remember I said that a sword could be used to kill. Look at Colossians chapter 3 with me, verse 5 through 6. And the scripture says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. God is calling us to spiritual battle against those things within us that are against him and against his will. God is calling us to pick up the sword of the spirit and put to death those things in us that are contrary to him. Those earthly things, those carnal things, those things of the old man, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And the list could go on and on and on. Fear. You know, I, I know there are those who are going through some hard times right now. And the tendency is to be consumed with fear and doubt. To start to wonder if, if, if there's really a God somewhere. You know, tragically and unfortunately, people, uh, instead of turning to the truth of God's word, they will turn to circumstance and what they can see with their eyes, forgetting that the things that they see with their eyes were created by those invisible things, were created by God who he, he himself is invisible. And so often, looking at their circumstance, they'll wonder if anybody is even out there listening to them. But God is calling us to spiritual warfare, even against those things, to wield the sword of the spirit against doubt, wield the sword of the spirit against the enemy of fear. That when it rears its ugly head to not succumb and surrender and lay down your arms, but to take up the sword and chop fear's head off to the glory of God. He's calling us to battle within. The scripture says this in John chapter 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. 
Your Word is truth. Your Word is truth. Sanctify them. Sanctification is the process, right? Let's, let's remember our Christian fundamentals, right? Justification is an instant, right? In an instant, through faith in Christ, we are justified before God. And then sanctification begins, in which we are sanctified by that same grace. The same grace that saves us and justifies us is the same grace that sanctifies us and, and grows us up into Christ-likeness and, and, and the fullness of Christ to be developed within us. And Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We get more insight into this process of sanctification, this, this transformation that, that happens by the power of the Spirit and the word of God in the, in the life of the Christian. We get more insight in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15 through 18. And it says this. I'm going to start in verse 15. It says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree, to, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now understand what's happening here. What Paul is explaining is, is the difference between those outside of Christ when they look at the Word of God and those inside Christ when they look at the Word of God. What he's saying is those without Jesus, when they look at the, the he said Moses, when they, whenever they read Moses, he's talking about the Old Covenant Scriptures. There's a, it's like a veil is over their face. It, it's just letters on a page. He said, but in Christ, in the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, there's a different effect that happens here that when a, a, a spirit-filled Christian opens his Bible or her, his or her Bible and begins to read, they behold the glory of the Lord with unveiled face. When they read about the life of Jesus Christ, when they read the teachings of Jesus, when they read the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, they behold the glory of the Lord with unveiled face and they begin to be transformed by the image they see in those scriptures. And they are transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory in ever-increasing splendor into the very image of the one they're reading about. <laughs> being transformed into the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ, being sanctified in the truth. His word is the truth. And so we're in battle within and with the sword of the Spirit, we do put to death those things that are against our God within us. Within us. But then, brothers and sisters, we're also called to battle on the outside. Outside of us. Now, I understand this is an uncomfortable situation, right? Both of them. To be called to battle within, I mean, these are... So often I feel like the Lord impresses upon me to say those unpopular teachings of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, the kind of teachings of Jesus that gets you stoned, right? But they tried to stone him. I, I consider myself in good company. But when we remember the words of Jesus when he said, if your hand causes you to sin, to cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, to pluck it out. This is an uncomfortable calling to be called to war within 
And it's equally uncomfortable to be called to war without. See, so often we just want to, I don't like confrontation. That's, a, that's, our, that's our, our default so often for many of us, right? I know for, for, a, for a while, for me it was, I was hanging with my homeboys, right? <laughs> you know? I knew what they told me in church on Sunday, and I knew what I was seeing. I knew I was in places I shouldn't have been. And I didn't say anything. Don't want to ruffle the feathers. I knew certain things that certain individuals told me weren't right. But you know, it's just like it's easier to just hold your tongue. But see, brothers and sisters, Jesus is calling us to more. He's calling us to not be afraid to confess him before men. He's calling us to battle on the outside. The scripture says this. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says this. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense. Did you catch that? Always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, pay attention to this, yet do it with gentleness and respect. See, brothers and sisters, we are called to gentleness and respect, but we are not called to deny our Lord with silence. In the face of confrontation, when our faith is being confronted, right there in front of us, we are not called to apathy, we are not called to surrender, we are called to be prepared to make a defense for the hope that is in you. Brothers and sisters, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready when that coworker comes up to you and says, all that Christianity stuff is just make-believe, right? You guys know it's not real. You're just trying to get rich, right? Taking people's money. When that neighbor comes to you and says, uh, can you teach me about what you believe? You know, I'm going through a hard time, and, man, I could really use some, some miracles right about now. Are you prepared to give a defense when that individual comes to you and tries to teach you a false gospel? Will you be easily swayed by every passing wind of doctrine? Or do you know what you believe? And can you defend it? Scripture says this in Jude chapter 1, chapter one verse 3 through 4. It says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you. This is an appeal to you. Appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. 
ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. <clears throat> Do you love it? Do you love this good news that God himself would condescend and be, become a man, live sinless and perfect life, to be born of a virgin? Will you surrender that truth when they laugh at you? <laughs> virgin? Conceive? Come on, man, you don't believe that. Six days he made all this? Come on, come on, you mean like, like, it's figurative speech, right? You mean like six million years, right? No, I believe because the sun and the moon were one day. And he made all things in six days. I believe that the virgin conceived and gave birth to a son, and she called him Emmanuel, God with us. I believe it. I believe he is God like he said he is, and I believe that he took my sins on the cross and died the death I deserve and rose again. I believe he's alive, and because he lives, I will live also. I believe it, and I will contend for it. I will defend it to my final breath. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to do the same. Brothers and sisters, we need to be prepared to uncompromisingly, uncompromisingly and faithfully defend our faith against false teaching. We need to be prepared to defend our faith against worldly wisdom. People with good intentions. They have good intentions. Don't get me wrong. But they will come to you and be like, don't store up treasure on earth, really? Where moth can eat and thief can steal? I mean, should you really give that much? Come on, let's, let's be a little, you know, let's be level-headed about this. There's charity, and then there's charity. You're going a little too far, right? I know you believe that the Lord has placed this upon your heart, but do you really need to do that? You don't want to put your family out there. You need to be able to, to give a defense for what we believe against worldly wisdom. We need to be able to defend what we believe against naysayers. who seek to discredit our faith. To be able to do this and to do it effectively, we need to know the word of God, the sword of the spirit. We need to know what we believe and we need to be prepared to defend it. The scripture says this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And I believe it's going to be up here, maybe. Uh, but if it's not, 
this, this was a very striking passage to me. And as we go there, I want to ask, believer, are you training? Are you honing your skills as a swordsman? Hone your skills as a swordsman. Are you diligently training in the word of God? The scripture says this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. <laughs> it's like, when you hear words like this come out of Jesus' mouth, it's like world-shaking. It's like, what? <laughs> what are you saying, Lord? He says, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Brothers and sisters, I believe what the Lord is saying here is that from the time of John the Baptist, the church, the kingdom, has suffered persecution. We know our brother John the Baptist was beheaded. But those who enter the kingdom must do so in such a zealous nature that it seems like a violent takeover. You must be zealous about the things of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus Christ, there's no room for apathy or laziness in the things of God. And the violent, take it by force. Are you diligently pursuing the things of God? Are you diligently in his word? Are you just zealously fervent, just seeking him in his word? I know Jesus said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. So often our circumstances crush us and, and try to, to, to mold us into conformity to the world. They, it, it, they try to make us bend our knee and turn our back on the things of God. And all of a sudden, I, I've been guilty of this too, brothers and sisters. Tight schedules and deadlines and work and demands try to pull us away from our Lord. It's literally like it's a living thing sometimes. And it's like, uh, no, you're not going to pray. No, they need you over here. But you better put that Bible down. You ain't got time for that. And it gets to a point that if we are going to make it happen in this fallen and sinful world, we have got to violently fight for it. We're going to have to cut some stuff off. We're going to have to cut some stuff off. Because I, my Lord comes first. I, I got to do this. It, it's life to me. If I don't get in his word, if I don't spend time with him in prayer, I, I got nothing. That's how we got to see it. And so often we don't see it that way. The violent take it by force. Will you take the kingdom of heaven by force? Will you lay hold upon it? Will you pursue it diligently? Will you pursue it diligently? May God help us to fervently seek after the truth and the life of his word and zealously lay hold upon his word in our hearts. Are you training in God's word? The sword of the spirit. You know, you think about the swordsmen, you know, and they do drills, Repetition, form, position. Are you training in his word? Do you know how to wield the sword or, or are you clumsy with it sometimes? You get the, get the sword in your hand, it's kind of like, I don't know. 
You got your helmet on, you got your, your shield of faith, you got the breastplate on, the breastplate of righteousness, but you pick up the sword of the spirit and it's kind of like your arms aren't strong enough to hold it yet. You fumble in it. In Matthew chapter 4, our Lord gives us this beautiful example of how he masterfully wields the sword of the Spirit. I'm telling you. I mean, Highlander had nothing on him. I don't know, I don't know if y'all remember Highlander. <laughs> it's a little old school there. The sword of the Spirit, he wields it like a samurai. I'm just like, whoo! And look at the enemy that he wields the sword against. Come on now, brothers and sisters, how many of you have had to do battle with the devil himself? My God. But he did it. He defeated him. Adam couldn't do it. Eve couldn't do it. They fell to him in the garden. He said, has God said that? Do you know his word? Did he say if you eat that? You'll surely die. But he came to Jesus and he tried to, look at look how Satan tries to use the word. He tries to use the sword. But he couldn't compete with the master, right? He goes, ah, you know, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself from this cliff. Has he not said that he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways? Ah. And the Lord Jesus pulls the sword and he says, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You shall not put him to the test. And Satan tries it again and again. And every time Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written. You shall love the Lord your God, and him only shall you pay homage to. Him only shall you worship. And Satan had to flee. He's like, I can't do nothing here. You see the example, brothers and sisters? How many of us, when those, those hard times, when that evil day rears its ugly head, how many of us pull the sword and go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God be for me, who can be against me? Get behind me, Satan. How many of us do that? You got to be training. You got to be training. <laughs> if you got, yeah, if you got to look up one of the old school Sunday school Bible verse memory routines and do it, do what you have to do. Get the word inside of you. Get the word inside of you. That you may stand in the evil day. I want to share these passages with you. From 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, 
rightly handling the word of truth. The King James Version says to study. Study to show yourself approved. Study God's word to show yourself approved, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, but rightly handles the word of truth. See, I, as I heard it said, I heard it said by a brother, uh, brother Paul Washer one time, he said, there's a lot of men standing in the pulpit preaching who should be spending more time in their word than preaching. You gotta know the word. You gotta know the word. Scripture says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts toward, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of God says, thy word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored it up. How can, a, how can a young man keep his way pure? By your word, O oh God. His word is our sword. And in closing, I would say to anyone out there who does not know our Lord Jesus Christ, and, you know, it's important to understand this, this, this sermon in Ephesians chapter 6 is largely directed at the church, directed to encourage those who have access to the whole armor of God to put on the whole armor of God. But if you don't know him, you're defenseless. If you don't know him, you have no weapon against the enemy. But let's be clear. Do not think because you're defenseless, the enemy will leave you alone. I say this because I love you. I say this because it does you no service for me to lie to you. It would be hateful for me to lie to you, though I know there are many out there who will tell you it's all good, you're okay. Just be a good person. But that's not love. Love tells the truth. And because I love you, I must tell you that if you are outside of Christ, you are defenseless against this foe. But that does not mean he will not attack you. Scripture tells us that the, 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 scripture tells us that the enemy, Satan, stalks about as a, ro as, a, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's always looking to destroy people. And you know why the enemy wants to destroy you? is because God loves you. You can't do anything to God. But if he can hurt God by hurting his creation, that's what he'll try to do. But thanks be to God. The Christmas story is all about our God taking on human form choosing to condescend himself and come down into this sinful world and become a man 
specifically to set the captives free. Our Lord Jesus Christ is not a pacifist. He is a warrior. And he came down and he said, do not think that I came to bring peace on this earth. Oh no, I am coming to redeem a people unto myself. I am coming to call out of the world those who belong to me. And I have come to bring a sword. And I believe he is referring to the word of God. And this sword will draw a line in the sand. And you will either be on this side or on that side. And sometimes that line might draw right down through the closest relationships. But he's come to set the captives free. He has laid open. He's done all the heavy lifting. He took our sin upon the cross and he died in our place. And he handed the captives a sword. It's like if someone came and set a group of slaves free and then gave them swords and said, now rise against your oppressors. The Bible says that when Jesus raised from the dead, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to man. He has given us access to the whole armor of God. He says, now put it on. Why would you not put it on? The scripture says, Holy Spirit inspired scripture says through the, mouth of Paul, through the mouth of the apostle Paul, I would not have you be ignorant of your enemy. Jesus has exposed him, has exposed his, his, his methods, his wiles, his schemes. He's given us what we need and he's given us weapons that are mighty through God. The question is, will you take up the sword? Or will you be entangled again to the yoke of bondage? Will you stand, as the scripture says, I believe in Galatians, will you stand in the freedom and in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free? Or will you be yoked, or will you be entangled again in the yoke of bondage? So if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to share with you John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32 says this. I'm going to pull it up. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, yes, he is talking to believers, but understand what Jesus is saying here. The only thing that can make us free is his word, the truth the sword of the Spirit. If you abide in His Word, you will know the truth. And that truth will make you free. Free from sin. Free from deception. Free from fear. Free from every form of bondage. If God be for us, who can be against us? Even if, I, listen to me, even if you are a prisoner doing time for your crime, the Word of Jesus Christ can make you free right where you are. I know it to be true. I'm a living witness. Call on him. Turn to the one who's able to make you free. The word of God says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. To God be the glory. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.